Welcome to Women and Manufacturing, where accomplished women interview accomplished women, with your host, Nicole Walter. Hi, I am Nicole Walter, President and CEO of HM Manufacturing, and your host for today's WAM Women and Manufacturing podcast. Um, I have with me Stacia Hobson, co-owner of Image Industries. Uh, if you heard my last podcast, uh, she was one of my guests. So uh, if you ha- don't know anything about her, go check it out. One of the uh, uh, last podcasts that I did. And uh, take the journey along with her of how she got involved in manufacturing. So I have her today because I want to do something a little bit different. Uh, and just to have like a nice uh, conversational piece with the podcast today and talk about relevant things that are happening in our industry um, as women, I know we just celebrated the International uh, Women's Day, and I think that's something that we should talk about and figure figure out some other things that need to be uh, talked about, like networking and, and boundaries and what is work-life harmony, if that's even possible, uh, and then some other good stuff with cash flow. Um, I know that's a, a pressing issue for a lot of businesses, small and mid-sized. So, without further ado, Stacia Hobson, welcome. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. I'm really excited to join you again. Our last podcast was so much fun. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, kind of going into it. Uh, yesterday, um, I was at a Citibank uh, International Women's Day panel. And, um, you know, some things that we were talking about that are quite relevant in today's world is women, networking, board seats, how do we start breaking through that? How do we get more women on the board? Um, And so kind of want to talk about that, see your thoughts behind it, kind of start a dialogue, and then I've got some some crazy stats that I heard from CNBC that did um, an activist uh, investors segment, uh, how they kind of single out women CEOs, and uh, kind of start there. So, networking. Oh, thoughts. Well, networking, I think, is such an important activity, regardless if you're male or female. I used to be such a good network when I and when I was younger, I was a great networker. And then other things became more important in my life, and so I dropped that networking piece. And several years ago, I was like, you know what? You really need to get out there and network again. And I had realized that in the years that I was not working the network situation, how much I had missed in so many ways. A lot of it, we say, is I use the excuse all the time that I am really busy. And I am really busy, as are you, Nicole. I I don't know anyone who is more scheduled than you and myself. But at the same time, people kept telling me, Stacia, you have to work on your business, not in your business. I did not understand the value of that until I actually started getting back into that whole networking scene, which, you know, nobody really likes going to these events. Well, I shouldn't say nobody, but, you know, it's, it's an inconvenience. It disrupts your schedule. You have to drive there. You have to be there. You have to participate when you are there. Otherwise, it's completely, you know, for not. 
and then you have to drive back. You know, so it's it's not just a 15, 20 minute, you know, conference call. It is several hours of your time. Right, and you're also hoping that you benefit from it, right? I, I you know, right. I've been to a few networking events and uh it was more affiliate driven than manufactured. But at the same time, um, going back to that whole networking thing, um, you never know who knows who, right? So it's super important to just meet everybody. Hi, how are you? I already have someone for this role. But it's good to have a pipeline uh, just in case something does fall through or they know of someone that can help in any aspect of things. And, you know, kind of going to that networking thing, I think it's super critical. Uh, to me, it's the people I've met, um, and especially on boards, um, what it actually does is the experiences that I've learned and, like, how I've learned how to execute strategies to put in place. Um, right. And I, and I think that kind of goes to that whole networking piece of um, women getting on boards. The only way that's going to happen is networking. If you get out networking. Yeah, yeah, because at the end of the day, it is, once again, not what you know, but who you know. And are you referable? Yeah. And setting yourself up so that you are referable, so that people do know who you are, and you have a name that is recognizable, or at least, oh, I have heard of her somewhere somewhere along the line in my travels, right? I've heard of this person. But the value is tremendous. And I think a lot of people go into networking with not the right frame of mind, too, is what I have found. People go into networking thinking, what am I going to gain? And I think that networking is all about what you can give. When I go to network, I want to know who is there, why they're there, what they do, and how can I help you? How can I help you connect with someone that the two of you could do some business together? Because we're all looking to do business at some level, right? But I don't go to Mm -hmm. a networking event wondering, who am I going to do business? I mean, really, in in the networks that I'm around, who really wants to buy studs, okay? (laughs) However, they may know somebody who wants to buy studs. Exactly. And and I think that's what it all boils down to, right? It's like that six degrees of separation, I feel, right. is getting smaller. Uh, it's amazing that the other boards that I'm, I'm on or advisory boards for high school uh, with manufacturing programs that I'm, you know, really trying to scale, it's so crazy to me how everyone's like, oh, so the other day I was talking to, let's say, Kane Osborne from District of, 95 in Lake Zurich, and uh, he was saying, it, it's amazing, the two other manufacturers that I didn't think you guys knew each other, you very much do, and it, it's it's amazing how it's a small world, um, right. especially when you start meeting more people. Right, exactly, and it's so true, it's so healthy for us to get away from working in the business, you know, getting out and just getting out of the office helps you come back to the office refreshed, rejuvenated, and you're able to see things in different ways, right? I think that's what's good about being on I think that's what's good about being on 
the board, like any board. Right. Um, any board. You learn, you learn so, so much. much. The building experiences, um, how you're able to manage uh, not just different personalities, but other people from other manufacturing uh, divisions or industries, right? Because we all do something different in manufacturing. We're, you know, we're all not making gears. We're all not making studs. Uh, there's, you know, there's stamping. There's so many other things that are out there. Um, but it's, to me, it's so valuable of what they bring to the table. And I feel like that's how I was able to grow my business at HM was because I kept asking everyone questions and how they were doing it and how they started implementing these procedures and who do they use for HR because I don't have an in-house person, right? So it's all these things that uh, people share with you, that wealth of knowledge that you're able to grow and expand. And then um, to me, it just makes you more – it's like people want to do business with you, right? They want to be able to come to you because now you know more and you're giving back and, and you're a resource mm-hmm. of knowledge as well, right? Uh, and right. I think that that's just a good thing. And, and women – we're really good at multitasking, and I think that's another good thing to emphasize as well is we just wear a ton of different hats no matter right. uh, what level we're at, and I think that's very right. impressive. And why there should be more women on board is because we can do a lot more, and we're very visionary, I feel. I agree. Women tend to um, be more right-brained. Not all women, just like not all men are left brain, but women tend to be more right brain. The other thing that's really interesting about women is that women can also use their left brain at the same time they use their right brain, which men cannot. And there's all these studies about that, which is really, to me, kind of crazy. But that's what actually, if you look at uh, women's businesses, and their success rate is much higher than men's success rate. And I think that's why. We do tend to be more visionary. We are more collaborative. And we can incorporate the digital side of things into the creative realm, which is what gives us the impetus to grow and to be able to move out of situations. So speaking of that, because uh, I think this is like a good segue into what I learned yesterday at the panel uh, at Citibank downtown Chicago. So CNBC did a nice little a, a nice little video segment about activists in uh, you know how they target more women CEO brand businesses than men, uh, and it was it was interesting to me that. Uh, that they said that women in uh, the S&P 500 companies, there's only 5.2% of CEOs that are ran by CEO women. Um, 11% of the women are top earners. Uh, 21.2% have board seats as women in these S&P 500 companies. 26.5% are executive senior level. 36.9% are first mid-level and managers, and uh, 44.7% are total employees. So I think that – I think w- the tide is, is shifting and changing. Um, I, I think it's, it's starting to evolve. There's more women in the workplace. I think that's exciting in itself. Um, obviously, we still need to grow that 5.2% at, uh, CEOs in those S&P companies. Uh, but what was interesting to me is 
uh, the activists not only single out women CEOs more than men, um, but what they did find is that women tend to take on the CEO roles during periods of crisis in a company or organization. Now, isn't that well, that's interesting. something? Isn't it? That's though? really interesting. Uh, you know, and, and it makes sense because, I, you know, my background is coming into the company. Uh, it was in an absolute crisis. Um, right. I mean, to the point before I found out about what had gone on in the theft behind uh, my shop on the shop floor, uh, we had only a couple months left of bankruptcy, until bankruptcy. Uh, so it's interesting to, like, hear that because it, it makes sense for me personally that you know, I, I came in an absolute crisis, um, and, and I think that's really neat that we're able to take on those challenges and uh, do something with it. Yeah, that is that is really amazing. I didn't know that those stats are pretty pretty wild. But the yeah. good stat is that 36.9% are mid-level. Yeah. So that's yeah. huge. And it's like I keep thinking that the, the tide is shifting. And even though, like, these activists are singling out these uh, um, massive companies with women CEOs uh, to try to shift how the direction in the company is going to go, um, mm -hmm. obviously by attaining seats on the board. That's why I feel like it's so important for women to network and, and, and vie for these roles and, and these positions uh, and change the mentality and, and change the dynamics. And, um, you know, to me it's, it's also that and making sure that we're heard. And change right. that boys club because I know that, that that's a thing too. Right. And it was interesting. I was speaking with someone um, who was a chairman on a board, and he had made a comment that, that while the board needed more women on it and more diversity in general, um, that women weren't really interested. And I was perplexed by that statement. And I'm thinking, is that the, you know, perception out there? Is that what people think, that women really aren't interested in board participation? I don't know. What do you think? You know, well, for me, uh, I'm very interested. I think that's why I'm on a, I'm on a couple boards and I'm on advisory board right. as well. I'm, I'm very interested. But I'm diving in, right? I very much like uh, Cheryl Sandberg, lean in. I am, I'm all the way to the floor. Like I've leaned in completely. Right. Um, and, and maybe not all the women feel that way. Maybe people are, are somewhat leaning in, somewhat leaning out. Maybe it just depends on their comfort level. Um, I also think that that leaning in so drastically like I have, and I think you have as well, Stacia, is the work-life harmony. That I, mine doesn't really exist. Um, so I don't really have an outside life outside of work and, and boards and, and meetings and such, um, and I'm okay for that right now. So I, I think in a way maybe he's right, um, but I also think it just depends who they're seeking out, right? Um, right. Are these roles being – are, are these these new spots? Is it something that people know are open? 
Right. I mean, that would be different, too, if people knew that these positions were open and uh, you had a chance to buy for them versus it being like behind the scenes, close the doors. Obviously, um, people aren't going to know about it. They're not going to offer they're not going to offer their services. Right. So, well, right. And that's what it comes right back to. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. Right. To get on a board, you basically need to be referred. Right, and I think that the men are really good at doing that. They're really good at shaping each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like, and yeah, and, and so yeah, and I, I think that um, us as women in manufacturing in the industry, uh, I think it's important to find your group and be able to. Um, offer assistance to one another, right? We all don't know everything, but it's great when you can meet with other women in the industry to go over stuff, things that are happening. What didn't you like today? I I know that we we have that group, um, Stacia, that you and I do, and we meet with other women uh, manufacturers, uh, and we talk about things that are going on in, in the daily workplace. And I know that we leave energized, but we also then get involved in other organizations and get our names out there and we're very much front and center and I think that's what the guys do so I think it's super important for us to do the same is just get out there be front and center almost be annoying (laughs) and just be there all the time (laughs) but that's true you know and that's how you get recognized and that's how you become referable, you become a resource, and so on and so forth. And, and I cannot tell you how um, confidence-building it is for me to know that I can call you know, anyone in our group that we, that we bond with and on a dime and be like, hey, this is what I have going on. What are your thoughts? What would you do? You know, have you encountered this before? So on and so forth. And, you know, it's fabulous to have those resources at your fingertips. And it takes time to develop those types of relationships. And the only way you do it is by getting out there and networking. Yeah, and and leaning in and deciding the level. And leaning in, yes. And and also kind of going back to deciding what level of leaning in do you really want to do. Um, right, because I think the next thing that we should talk about then is the work life and harmony and how that um can affect it how um you know women we love to do it all, but is it really healthy for us to do it all? uh I think that's something that it does doesn't really get talked about too much and and it should because we want to do it all, we all want to be successful, but we also want to have a life outside of work and still be recognized and uh, and it's hard to do that. So for me, work-life harmony, um, I, I mentioned earlier, doesn't exist outside of working panels and boards and podcasts. And every so often, I finally go and see my horse that, you know, I ride competitively. And that's pretty much my work-life harmony. Stacia, what about you? <laughs> Yes, my work-life harmony is not that different than yours, between working in my business and then volunteering and doing board service, which, you know, I love all those things. 
And then I am, you know, able sometimes to go and ride my horse that I show competitively. Actually, I was just telling you that I had made that commitment to, yeah. you know, to ride so you can show. And I can tell you right now, I looked at March, and my March is completely booked. I'm like, all right, well, you, sister, you signed up for this. You need to figure it out. How are you going to get there and ride and so on and so forth? And then, you know, I have my dog that uh, she needs a job. So I'm, you know, hauling her over to agility classes and so on and so forth to keep her mentally sane while her mama works 80 hours a week. <laughs> but yeah. outside of that. That's pretty much that's pretty much my um, my uh, my life, and it's really interesting. We were joking before about uh, the men who um, you know who I have dated anyway, and they're like, "Well, I don't feel like I'm a priority," and I'm like, "Well, you're a priority, but you're like a number five priority." <laughs> that doesn't go over well. <laughs> Just a tip no, to all you women out not- there. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, it's it's not intentional, but uh, it's it's no. interesting. So one of the ladies that um, I was with yesterday uh, at this panel, and um, she's in the finance world, and she's kind of in the same boat of she's got kids, she's married, and, uh, you know, in the finance world, you're working crazy hours as well. Right, and, right. And uh, she's super successful, and so I asked her, it's like, how do you do it, right? I mean, like, I don't, I don't have kids. I'm not married, but I, yeah, I guess my kid is my horse. I, even though, like, I never see him, it's terrible. Um, but I feel like I'm always working. And she said, you know, what she does is she figures out what's her priority for the week, right? Those are things that are meaningful to her. So she has a list, and it's, it's either, uh, obviously, kids are always going to be a priority. Um, she's like, but some weeks. Um, I, I have to say, okay, this week I really have to just focus very much so on work because there's a big project and there's deadlines and there's things that are happening. So she says, so I'm not really a good mom this week. But the next week I'm going to be, my dedication is to be a really good mom and a really good wife, but my work is going to suffer for the week. So she's saying it's all about figuring out what is really important for that mm. week and just kind of doing it that way versus just, going like us balls to the wall work 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 and then we blow up and um and then you have no more energy and you know I know me riding and you riding and just like it is to work out or play golf or tennis or any of those activities you feel so much more refreshed when you get to go do the things that you love yeah and uh so just hearing her say just hearing her say that's how she does it I really appreciated that because sometimes I feel like I I don't know what I'm doing what day it is I just know that I'm stressed out <laughs> and maybe right. that's the time to just be like I'm going to the barn uh and I think that's right. the only way that we could have the work-life harmony is just peeling ourselves away from the business for at least a couple hours just to get some sanity right exactly and uh well you know getting out and doing networking is great but it's also great to make the decision to leave and go do something just for yourself. Yeah. You know, if it's riding your horse, walking your dog, getting a pedicure, whatever, just doing something for yourself. And turning off. I right. think that's another important thing, too. Yes. And, and I that's the one thing we- that I love. That's one thing that I love about the farm, right? You go, you can't ride and answer your phone at the same time. I mean, really, is in, in all the 
crises that come up at the office, is it really a crisis? You know what I mean? Is someone dying? And if they are, then why are you calling me? You should be dialing 911. Right. You know, so for that hour and a half or two hours of complete peace and, I mean, completely unplugged, it, it's amazing what it can do for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it all goes back to getting out of the office, working on your best business versus in your business, right? Of, right. I, I feel like I'm more agreeable, not only just to the employees and to the customers, um, when I finally get a chance to just do me for a bit. I come back more pleasant. I have a different vibe, different energy. It's like, it's just so, it's just a massive difference um, versus when I'm here and things are just going wrong and there's fires left and right and everyone's asking you a question and then you get upset of, you should know the answers to these questions already. Why, why are you bothering me with that? But sometimes I feel um, the more you're in the office, um, I feel like people get more lax about their responsibilities. Um, and so I, I've made it a priority to start going to see customers or go and do things for myself um, because they need to be responsible for, for their section and what they do, and that's what they're paid for, but also for, for me to be an effective leader and boss and manager. Right. Exactly. I agree with you 100%. And it's and it's hard too when someone's coming and asking and asking to say to them, you know, um, you know the answer. Go go away. Go find it yourself. But I have to tell you, you know, one of the harsh lessons that I had from my father. One time I went in and asked him a question, and you know it was probably just the day, right? That happens to all of us. But he yeah. looked up at me, and he said, if I have to answer all your questions, what the expletive do I need you for? Yeah, but, oh, my God, isn't he right? Yeah. But isn't he right? And, you know, and yeah. it was very harsh, <laughs> you know, having it, again, from your father, right, say that to you. Yeah. And you were, you as the employee, because I was, I was really trying to do a good job, right? And... Mm-hmm. But he was so right. Figure it out on your own. And then once you have proven to me that you've tried to figure it out, I'll help you. Right. But don't but you come need to, go to me through as a knee-jerk response. Exactly. Yes. That's funny. Yeah. So I guess that brings <laughs> another good point, boundaries, right? Yeah, it does, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, and talk and to me, boundaries. It's just super critical to have, because um, I think that also goes back to your work-life harmony. I mean, like, are you going to have harmony in, you know, in your office if you don't have boundaries? And the answer to that is no. <laughs> um, right. But look at like your dad. Even though he was harsh, and I've had harsh moments with my dad coming at me too. Um, those are his boundaries. Like, you know, I, I'll, I'll allow a couple stupid questions, but after that, go figure it out. Those are his boundaries. Um, but right. I think women's boundaries are very different. Uh, obviously, they vary from person to person. Um, so what do you think about what do you, th- you think about boundaries? Super important, somewhat, a complete necessity? Oh, I, think, 
I think boundaries are super important and actually a necessity. And what I think I also find is that we as women have a lot harder or much more of a challenge in holding those boundaries. And I don't, I don't honestly know why that is, but I look at my brother and the challenges he faces with the employees versus me and the challenges I face, and the employees are coming to ask me stuff that they would never dare ask my brother. And I'm like, why is that? You know, why is it acceptable to, for them to come to me versus going over to him? And just, just yesterday, I'm laughing about this because of that workshop we did a while back. Yeah. I'm laughing about it. But I was in my office, and I am trying to get quotes done, right? And I had the door closed. Can I tell you how many people came in? How many? I look at them. I had three people come in my office when my door was closed. <laughs> I'm like, my door was only closed for an hour and 15 minutes. That's insane. You can live without me for an hour and 15 minutes. So the first person that came in, I was like, all right, come on, deal with it, right? I'm grumbling, so I'm not happy. And then... The second person came in, and I looked at her, and I said, is this an emergency? Well, it might be. And I said, is anybody losing their life, a limb, a, a, a digit? <laughs> <laughs> and she looked at me like she didn't know what I was getting at. And so then the third person, I'm like, did you not see the door close? <laughs> and I am laughing because... In retrospect, I'm still laughing because I'm the one who was getting irritated. They weren't. I was exactly. irritated. Yeah. And uh, upon the first, the first encroach uh, uh, on my space, I should have said to that person, my door is closed. I will get to you when the door is open. And set yeah. the stage because apparently they all think that even though the door is closed, that's okay. <laughs> they can come in. <laughs> Setting right. the boundaries. Because, well, yeah, and I think that, um, which goes back to, they, I don't know, I don't know if people are afraid to make their own decisions, they're afraid of the repercussions, um, but right. it, it's funny you say that, because uh, a couple days ago, um, it, it was the same, I, I had a, a meeting with uh, one guy who is like a leadership coach, and you know, all, all about that stuff, right? I don't even know what his title is. It's just a million different things. But he's supposed to be a coach, <laughs> and he's trying. He's supposed to give me my sanity at some point. I don't know. Uh, but he was saying, you know, what happens if you go on vacation for a month and the company will be up in flames? He's like, okay. And I go, but. Do I does does my dad stay here for the month while I'm gone for a month? Because if my dad's here, all will be well, right? Because no, your dad's on vacation as well. I'm like, oh no, place is up in flames. And he goes, well, why is that? And I was like, well, you know what? You make a very good point. I haven't been an effective um, president, manager, however, leader, however you want to put it, because everyone would not be able to make decisions okay. without me because I I feel like I've been coddling. Right, 
coddling the situations of giving them answers when they should be figuring it out for their own. Uh, and then I do all the quoting, right? So right. that yep. would be bad. I if I leave for a month, who is going to quote, which would put this company in serious jeopardy? So, um, you know, he said that, and I kind of came back to my office like, oh, you know what? Maybe I should start moving some people around, start cross-training people to do the simple quotes, not the extremely difficult stuff that takes a lot of time. Um, but stuff right. that is that is easy to do that shouldn't take more than a couple of days to kind of understand and, and get the flow up. Um, and then yesterday, one of the guys comes out from the shop and he's asking questions. And I said, what happens if I die tomorrow and I'm not here? <laughs> what, what would you do? How would you go about answering that question? And I go, what would you do? And so he told me, he's like, well, you know, they're extra parts. The customer doesn't really purchase them that much, um, so I wouldn't put bearings in them. I wouldn't assemble them. He goes, personally, I would just scrap them. I'm like, there you go. Beautiful. <laughs> right? That's what we're and is it do. just Right? And is it just that, like, walking through that process? But the, then I the question so. is, do they come back again after that? I'm going to keep saying, what happens if I die tomorrow? <laughs> I think that's just how I'm going to answer all of their questions is with a question and see what happens. Which is not a bad way to go anyway when I, you know, when I'm training or whatever, I always ask them if they understand and then I ask and then, you know, they always say yes and then I'll say, I'll have them spit it back out at me. You know, okay, well, what did I just tell you? You know, and see how they interpreted it, what I just said, Right. So do you think it's because we're women and we're we're more nurturing and we have more of that helpful demeanor that it probably is almost a hindrance in the workplace because we'll take on. Like if someone says, oh, can you do this for me? I'll say yes, even though I have no time, just because right. unfortunately I like to micromanage a little bit and I like to put my stamp on everything. Um, but I see it in the office as well with um, the ladies in CAD or in sales. Uh, they're always like, sure, I'll do it, I'll do it, even though they should say no. So and so isn't as busy. Why don't you go ask them? Right? I mean, right. I, I think that that's maybe one of our biggest dilemmas is um, the nurturing and um, always wanting to help. Exactly. Because I tell you, the stuff that I deal with, and it's interesting because I'm, you know, side by side with my brother, and. The stuff that I will deal with, he is like, why are you dealing with that? I mean, he'll point blank, ask me. That makes no sense, Keisha, at all. Stop that. <laughs> and he's right, because it's typically, when he says that to me, it's typically about a, a boundary issue. They, yeah. you know, People need to go and figure out themselves. The salespeople need to find, you know, need to go home and complain to their spouses or friends or whomever, but they don't need to call me every afternoon and, you know, then, go on about how, yeah. how, right, go on and on about how, you know, their their job is so hard. <laughs> well, that's why you get paid the big bucks is what I tell them. Right. And, and I also, no matter what division you're in, right, whether it's in upper management or not, uh, I think it's so important for women in general to just have boundaries. 
and uh, that's true. I, I and I I remember um, it was Melissa Timberlake, right? That's her name. Yes. And she's an executive coach, right? Or what's what's her title? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's an executive. Um, yeah, an executive coach, and she does other coaching too. But her main her main business core is executive coach. Yeah, and she was so, so interesting about yeah, you, you know her. Yeah. She was really interesting, and I think very beneficial for um, for the group that she came to speak to. And she opened with this story, and I was sitting there. I'm like, where is she going with this? And she had opened about how they had moved out to the country, and they had become vegan at the same time. And they did not know that out in the country, because they were always suburbia or city, they did not know that out in the country you go hunt. And I know that sounds crazy, but, you know, if you are not used to country life, it is uh, it is a different world with the whole hunting thing. And so they brought, they bought acreage, and they had found that, that people were putting up deer posts to hunt on their property, and they were like, oh, my gosh, all horrified. So they, it was advised to them to put up, a, you know, signs, you know, trespassing, no hunting. And... And the next year, people still came and um, and did that, and then they were like, you need to leave. And then the next year, people came and asked if they could hunt on their property. And so her point in the story was that her, while she even put up no boundary or no, um, no trespassing, her boundary was not solid. So, like, the energy that they were giving off from themselves – was not congruent with the sign because they were nice people and they didn't want to offend anybody and so on and so forth, but they didn't want anybody, you know, shooting on their property. So her point is that you not only have to establish the boundary, but you have to be energetically congruent with that boundary. And enforce it. Yeah. And enforce it, meaning people know that that is a boundary that you cannot cross. Like me with my door yesterday, right? People obviously knew that they yeah. could cross that boundary. I, I, you know, so I have to go back and figure out why people thought that. But regardless, so clearly I was not congruent with, with, that, with that boundary that I was trying to establish. And then she said something else that was so, so true. She said, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, someone I think asked her, how do you know when you have a boundary that is being crossed and, you, you know, you don't even know that your boundary is being crossed? And her response was, wherever it makes you really mad, that is a boundary that is being crossed and you are not enforcing it. At the end of the day, you have to enforce your own boundaries. So if you want to look where, look at where you get angry with people. Whether and it was and it's true whether it's at work yeah. or at home or even when I go to the barn and I'm riding my horse and you know horses will try to cross those boundaries all the time yep. with you, right? Look, can I get away there with this can. or your dog or your kids or whatever? Can I get away with this? And and it was so true her statement. I mean, if you sit back and you think about all the areas where you get really irritated, they're typically boundary issues. Right. And so how do you go about enforcing it? I think that's like a good thing, especially for women, right? Like we get mad, but then we soften because we're nurturing and we're helpful. And and it's 
we're just different dynamically. So right. how do we go about enforcing it and making sure that, you know, it's congruent with what we really feel and we don't waver from that? Um, right. To, well, me, to me, it was, um, you know, here is a, a good prime example of um, I was on the phone and uh, one of the ladies in customer service kept coming in and out of my office, in and out of my office, and like grabbing stuff off my desk because I can't get through stuff fast enough. And she's grabbing right. stuff, putting stuff down, grabbing stuff, putting stuff down, grabbing stuff, putting stuff down, <laughs> writing stuff. And I'm on the phone and I'm trying to concentrate. And when she walked out while I was still on the phone, and uh, I went and sent her an email while I was still on the phone. And the subject line was, if I am ever on the phone, dot, dot, dot. And I wrote, do not come in my office, door closed or not. If I'm on the phone, thank you. Right. It was like, please and thank you. Just so it didn't sound so harsh and rude. But, you know, sometimes I wonder, like, isn't that a common sense thing? But sometimes for people right. it's not, right? So for exactly. me, I, I went the extra and said, these are my boundaries. Do not cross them. And I had to send a note because I was just, mm-hmm. I lost my train of thought. I couldn't concentrate. And I think those are, that, that was my boundary that I was getting mad. Like, I was getting furious. Right. <laughs> While I was on the phone and typing right. this email, it was insane. Yeah. <laughs> and I. Yeah. And you know what? And I think for women, we have to be unapologetically okay with sending those messages and not apologize for exactly. it. Exactly. And not apologize. We apologize so much, and I. I think why? Why would I apologize for this? And I will stop myself. Now I'll catch myself and be like, no apology required here. Nobody's feeling right. should it's get your hurt. Boundaries. This, this right. is this it's is boundary. This is matter of fact. It has no emotion behind it. And I think you're right. We just need to state our boundary clearly and simply. Doesn't need to be long drawn out because women like to do that too. Process about everything. Just state your boundaries simply, clearly, boom, you're done. Yeah, and I think we would all be much happier. Right, and how people receive it is how they receive it. They can be incensed, and you, me, whomever, right, we have to be okay with them feeling incensed or hurt or whatever the emotion that they have going on about it. Right. Yeah, and it, then it kind of goes back to the respect level at the same time, right? Like we all should respect each other's boundaries and be okay that some are going to differ from, from others. Um, but I feel like if people respect each other's boundaries, my God, it'd be a different workplace. More, I think more would happen. Be different vibes. More would happen. Energy. Yeah. A different vibe, different energy. And I do think more would happen. I think that there would be probably actually – I might get in trouble. More production on the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because if people are doing this to us, what are the people out on the floor doing to their team leads? Exactly. You know, because right. I know it's not just you and me, Nicole. No, I I know it's not. Okay, so more production. Let's talk about cash flow. <laughs> <laughs> 
feel like we're, we're like really good with these like segues into stuff. Ironically, it's awesome. It um, is funny. <laughs> it's so weird. So my yeah, cat so is Yeah, yeah. sex right now. Yeah. And, and mine. Uh, yeah, and I'm not happy, and I don't think anybody would be. Um. I'm kind of chalking mine up to like a few things. The throughput issue with the which is always production, right? Uh, my bottlenecks. Right. Uh and also we've just been so busy. Um and our lot our lot sizes, our batch runs used to be much smaller than it is right. now. I mean before like on our average it was like ten gears, maybe fifteen pulleys, something like that, something along those lines. Now we're like in the hundreds. And, um, like, high hundreds, so like 500 and, like, 300. And it's not just one. It's the majority of them. And, obviously, that, that hurts your cash flow because you're not sending stuff out in time. And people don't pay on time. Um, so that, that's been my issue. What about you and, and your cash flow? Same kind of scenario that you, that you just described are, are – Throughput has grown because it were, it's forced to be grown because of the amount of time that it takes, you know, from start to finish, right? So you need to have some, some more of that finished product um, available for, for the customer consumption. And I was thinking about this just the other day, actually. I've got my top accounts are large corporate entities. Yeah. And they and they pay sixty plus days, and often they yep. will take up to ninety days to pay. And yep. they're the big fish. And then there is me, and I am not nearly the big fish that they are, and I don't have nearly the reserves. So it's and my customers are or my suppliers, you know. So I'm being pulled because the suppliers are saying. You know, if you don't pay, pay me or I shut you off. Thirty days, yep. I'm shutting you off. And I've got yep. my biggest accounts saying I'm not paying until sixty days, and even then, I may mean ninety. And so, who's getting squeezed? But you and me. And yep. it is it is a challenging thing to to manage. And we were just actually having a meeting about that. Uh, today too and you know what can we do to get those accounts to to pay faster so and they're and they're not interested in net 10 nobody is i wouldn't be nobody i tell you to i tell you to buzz off but you know so i um i did a a crane chicago article on this um we were getting squeezed so much so and cash flow was so tight that I had to pretty much bankroll um, the company for a bit because we weren't getting paid. And, of course, the biggest customer, the big fish, the billion-dollar corporation right. who owes me a crap right. ton of money, um, right. I said, I finally said, screw you, I'm shutting you off. And if you want more stuff, because I knew that they had a ton of machines that they have to, they have to get out. They were sold and, uh, you know, they have assembly workers there and engineers ready to go. And I was like, I don't, I don't care anymore. Like, I'm 95 days and growing, 
And um, not only do I have my material and my labor costs and plating costs, but it's just the burden. And I said, that's it. Either you fly me next day or a check, or that's it. Everything's shut off, and until you pay me, you're not getting any product. So I finally had to just be a bulldog and just say, I don't care. And if I lose you, it's going to hurt, but do I really want to deal with this long term? Right. Right, where I'm constantly having to put money in to keep things going. Like, is this really a good relationship? Practice. And that's right. hard. That's, that's a hard decision that's to make. That's extremely and, hard. And, but I, you know what? I took the risk. I took the gamble. And uh, funny enough, there came a check. But funny, until I say I'm shutting you off, they keep saying I can't till next quarter or I can't until right. uh, the 15th or I can't until we reconcile the books or whatever kind of excuse and you can't get a hold of people. Um, right. Until you say, right. until you email all parties saying your assembly line is going to have to wait. No chicken McNuggets are going to go out, right? I feel like that's <laughs> like the worst situation for these customers. Yes, it is. And we do a lot of construction. And I tell you, it is, it is a tough deal. They're used to paying at 120 days. Yikes. And, you know, and I, my salesperson who was – you know, who heads up that construction division, you know, when he first came on board, I was like, um, th- this this doesn't work for me. <laughs> we cannot be drawn out to 120 days. And so we have, now it's taken a lot of time, but I've finally gotten those construction accounts to, for the most part, 260 days where, you know, which is still, that's, that's a huge improvement based on where we started from. But I right. tell you, that's what, they, that's what they expected. They're like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, you know what? I'm not your bank. No, just, I know, but sometimes they think you are. And we have to be yes. essentially, just in case. Right. Um, so I think it's hard. I think it's, it's really difficult to try to make those calls. And sometimes, uh, like for me, I worry about making these, these drastic gambling decisions right like I'm just going to cut them off and see what happens right and I know uh, that if I tick them off exorbitantly enough um, it affects all the employees right it affects everybody right. but um, right what's fair is fair you know like I'm, I'm giving you a service I'm doing this and you expect a certain lead time to be met I expect a paycheck at the same time <laughs> to be met in those in those in that lead time of 45 to 60 days so um, it's never easy, and I feel like the busier everyone's getting um, and everyone's seeming to get bought out these days, uh, I think it's only going to get worse. Well, I hope that you are not correct on that. Right. I know. <laughs> I, am, I am hoping that, uh, <laughs> that people listen to this podcast and be like, oh, yes, we need to pay our suppliers. <laughs> That's right, and our vendors on time. That would be the ideal situation. That's, that's right. <laughs> well, I know that so we don't go over our allotted time. I really wanted to dive into this specifically because um, this was a brilliant idea uh, that you came up with, um, and I think it's so cool and it's so neat. And um, I, you know, we're 
a part of this organization called the TMA, which is the Technology and Manufacturing Association based out of Schaumburg, Illinois. And um, I'm a board member on the Education Foundation as well as the executive board. And you were the chairwoman of the women in TMA. And um, I thought this was just so brilliant. But you decided that uh, what we all needed was a scholarship for women. So I kind of want to give you the platform and, and talk about that. Well, Nicole, thanks. Um, I wanted to grow, I mean, my whole impetus was to grow the women of TMA, specifically in the manufacturing realm. And one of my brainchilds that I had, one of my V8 moments was, you know, we really need to promote women in manufacturing, period. And whether it's from the plant floor through the CO, it doesn't matter at where anyone is. And we also have a workforce development issue, which everybody knows about. And yeah. how can we help member companies? I mean, most of the TMA member companies are smaller companies like ourselves, right? right. And I know that I don't have, you know, my company doesn't have an open checkbook to send everybody off for training. And I would love to do that, but uh, my resources are limited. And so we do training in other ways. But I was like, you know what? It would be so awesome to be able to have a woman's scholarship going to a TMA member company. And they could then use that scholarship and sign up for TMA classes if it's CNC and along those lines, or the TMA could send them out, you know, they could choose the school that they wanted to go to and use the scholarship uh, towards towards that education, whatever whatever their education that they desired. And so it took a long time for people to listen to me, and I'm so glad, Nicole, that you actually uh, were one of the ones that backed the idea and thought it was a great idea to have, you know, moving forward and to implement. Because what what great help is that, right, for a company who is small like us to be able to have $2,500, $5,000, which really isn't a lot of money, but it's still not, you know, change that you find in your, you know, purse at any given time, right? So, right, yeah. Uh, yeah, to be able to use that money and send someone off for management classes, for accounting classes, for C&C design, for CAD, for what, whatever, you know, their, um, their employees desire. And my thought was, you know what, it would be such a great way for the member companies. I mean, it would be one a reason, hopefully, that they would be like, oh, that would be really interesting to pursue for one of my employees, as well as to promote, I mean, to have TMA actually promoting women in manufacturing, which a lot of organizations, right. you know, they, they talk about it, but are they really taking action on it? No, so I'm glad. It, it's hard. It, like you said, especially when you don't have, um, you know, you don't have your customers paying on time, right? And you're hoping that you're making mm-hmm. a profit and, um, and, you know, you're floating a lot of costs along the way. Uh, there's only so much in the pool for training. And a lot of times that's more in-house training. 
but you're right. right. We all talk about the skills gap, and everyone needs to stop talking about the skills gap and talk about skills interest. And I think um, a great way of doing that is to set up a scholarship for women um, and, and be able to, to donate whatever it is monetary-wise to uh, a woman in the manufacturing industry at a smaller company and be able to promote that. And they, they do feel good, and it is empowering, and they learn such a tremendous amount. And uh, they can just take those skills and run with it. Uh, talk about, like, a, right. a good PR piece verbally, right? That's, that's like, the, the oh, best right. thing to say, oh, my company sent me to go do this. Uh, you should think about working here. I have all these opportunities um, that, I, that I have now, and I'm getting paid well, and all these benefits. And, um, and I, like you said, it's not just about being a machinist. There are so many different avenues and divisions in a manufacturing organization, Um Right. That uh, I don't think people really correlate to. So uh, I thought it was so cool. It's so great. Um, I, I'm, ta- I'm really looking forward to that scholarship um, getting off the ground. And uh, I, I, it, I just it couldn't do anything but just be absolutely beneficial to any woman. So exactly. And I yeah. And I believe in paying it forward. So yeah. if you know, so if this you know person want it, you know, what that could potentially change her career path, right? Yeah. And yeah. then having her have that opportunity, how much more willing are, would she be to pass that opportunity on to somebody else or tell other go. people about it, talk about it, so on and so forth? Because I know people who have helped me open, you know, open the doors for me. I know I have paid it forward for other people as well because it was so great for that person to help me. I want to help somebody else because I know what it did for me, right? And so I am more than willing to help others where I can because I've had the direct, you know, experience of being that, you know, of having that benefit and knowing how it's impacted me. So the more that we do that for other ladies, the more that they will be able to help and open and champion other women, which we talk about so much is why don't we champion other women? Well, maybe we don't have enough experiences to have to know the impact on our world to yeah. to want to even do that. Which is, but, you know, crazy because it goes all back to that networking and uh, yeah. and, and making that happen. So, and, and you know, thanks, Stacia, for the conversation. I think it's uh, an important one to have. It's always great to hear how everyone got in the industry, but I think it's more impactful to hear uh, what's going on, these hot topics, how we can help each other as women grow um, internally as well as professionally. And um, so I thank you for taking the time today. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. It's been a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me on again. Absolutely. We'll have to try this again. Okay, sounds good. All right. Thanks, Stacia. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Women and Manufacturing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>